Here are seven really weird things said to pastors. Parishioner, pastor, you need to change your voice. Pastor's response, yes, ma'am, I'll try to have that done by next week. Parishioner, pastor, your socks are distracting. Pastor response, I understand, I'll stop wearing them next week. Parishioner, we need to start attracting more normal people at church. Pastor's response, uh, so you'll be leaving the church then, I presume. Parishioner, Pastor, your wife never compliments me about my hair or dress. Pastor's response, oh, there could be a reason for that. Parishioner, Pastor, the, the toilet paper is on the wrong way in the ladies' restroom. It's rolled under. Pastor's response, my guess is that it's still functional. Parishioner, Pastor, why don't you ever preach on Tim Tebow? Pastor's response, funny you should mention that. I'll be preaching a six-week sermon series on him in the fall. Parishioner, Pastor, you don't look at our side of the sanctuary enough when you preach. Pastor's response, that's because you're on that side. These are real comments. These are real comments collected by Tom Rayner. Now, every pastor has read a book by Tom Rayner. You know, he's written dozens of books for, the, for church leaders on how to successfully be a church in this post-Christian era. But when I think of my own time as pastor here the last 12 years, I, I could come up with a few weird comments that have been made to me myself. And uh, one that I remember several years ago was... A guy came up to me, Pastor, I'd like to pick your brains. My response, no thank you, that sounds like it'll hurt. Well, if you were to pick my brains about this gospel reading today, where we follow Jesus to one of the last places of the resurrection, the mountain in Galilee, uh, we could find a lot of notable things about it. There, there's plenty here in this text. And if you pick my brains on it, it wouldn't hurt, really. First of all, this mountain, it could be the mountain where Jesus was transfigured, or it could be the mountain or the hill, really, where Jesus sat with his disciples and fed thousands, all before he went to Jerusalem to be crucified. We don't really know what mountain this is. Uh, Matthew only says that it was the one that Jesus directed them to go to. So it must not be that important. What seems more important is what Matthew says was going on while Jesus and his disciples are at this mountain. A great lie was being spread, which continues to this day. Verses 11 through 15, the part about the guards being bribed not to speak the truth about Jesus. Instead, they spread a lie about his body being stolen. Now, I included that part of the gospel reading in our lectionary today because it's not normally in the lectionary. And I think that might be because that little side story seems like incidental information. It's not really important to the rest of, the, of, the, uh, of what's going on when Jesus comes out of the grave on Easter. But it really, I think it really leads well into what Matthew tells us about this meeting at the mountain. People still doubted. 
mean, he had the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, the mark in his side. People still doubted. Sure, some may have, maybe even those who had been following Jesus all the time were having a hard time taking all of this in. You know, after everything that had happened, wouldn't you? I mean, I might. There would have been others, however, who believed that whoever this man was speaking to them on this mountain, well, it wasn't Jesus. There would have been, there would have been those people too. And this continues today in much of Israel and the Middle East and elsewhere. If you ask a, a, you know, a person on the street what they believe about Jesus, I think a very small percentage would answer, oh, well, he died, but his body was stolen. I, I don't think many people are going to respond with that. You know, most people are probably going to say, well, he was an, a fraud. He, or, especially in Israel, he's not, he was not the true Messiah that we're waiting for. Or, a lot of people are just going to respond, well, he just didn't exist at all. You know, he was a he was fabricated by a group of people in order to promote a religious idea or a national cause. You know, whatever the doubt or disbelief, you can trace it all the way back to this lie spread by the temple guards. The lie that Jesus' body was stolen. Now, I'm confident none of you believe this, right? You wouldn't even be here if you did. I don't think even many of us have as much doubt as the ones who were on the mountain with Jesus that day. I know part of our doctrine is that the church includes unbelievers as well as those who have faith. Nevertheless, I mean, come on. Jesus' body stolen? There were witnesses. They saw him alive. Plus, Matthew tells us the guards were paid off to spread this rumor that Jesus' body was stolen. No doubt, though, many people have been deceived over the centuries since Jesus rose from the grave, to their eternal shame. We don't want to be deceived either. And sin makes that difficult. Sin distorts our understanding of who God is. Think about it. We have a powerful enemy working against us around the clock. Jesus calls him the father of lies. We know him as the devil, Satan, the fallen angel, doomed and defeated. Yet, he's been given some dominion on this earth for a time and for whatever reason beyond our understanding. He hates us with every fiber of, our exist- of his existence. And he uses every waking moment to steal and kill the sheep of God's flock. He'll take the goats of the world too. I mean, they're easy prey. He's very crafty at leading the the sheep though to believe God is something he is not. What, for example? Well, you tell me. (laughs) We could probably make a pretty big list I can tell you, God is not a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent. He isn't a liberal or a conservative or a middle of the road. 
He doesn't make your, sport, your favorite sports teams win the championship. He doesn't lead a nation's army or navy in the sense that he's on our side. He isn't a far away God. He isn't unconcerned with humanity and its plight. He isn't a Lutheran or a Methodist or a Catholic. The list could go on. Our distorted view of God is also caused by parenting. Not that we blame our parents for this, but how our parents treated us influences how we understand God. Loving, kind parents influence, influence us to understand God as loving and kind. I mean, it only follows, right? If our parents were overly focused on rules and good behavior, well, then we may see God and His church as stern enforcers of rules and acting right. If our parents were critical and shaming, we may see God as judgmental and condemning. If our parents were abusive and worse, then you know what follows. You know, most parents are probably a little bit of all of these, like I think my parents were, so our view of God may be a kind of a mashup of these understandings, which then makes it even more confusing. And of course, there's the preaching from the pulpit for those who go to church and attend regularly and genuinely listen and internalize what they're hearing from the public ministry. Similar to parenting, if what you hear from the pastor about God is mainly compassion and mercy, your view of God is going to be more a God of love, right? If all you hear is fire, fire and brimstone from the pulpit and, and no hope for you miserable sinners out there, well, then you're going to believe that God is a heavy-handed cosmic cop. If I were to have been up here preaching the prosperity gospel these last 12 years, well, in reality, you probably would have kicked me out long ago, right? But... That kind of thing can influence the hearer to believe God is here to give you your best life now and satisfy all your earthly hopes and desires. Projection is another way we distort our understanding of God, not with a projector, but projecting our flaws, our frailties, and our failures on Him. We do this as a defense mechanism because it's too painful and shameful to admit these negative things are actually true about us. Things are rotten in my life, not going my way. It's God's fault. He doesn't seem to care. He's the one who's lazy and indifferent. We consciously or unconsciously bring Him down to our level by projecting our worst qualities on Him, forgetting that He brought Himself down to our level, not to share our worst qualities, but to overcome them. And then there's our pride. After all, God is incomprehensible, right? This isn't to say we throw up our hands and say, oh, well, there's no use trying to understand God uh, and who He is, and just let our thinking and, and behavior run amok. We would destroy ourselves. No, because God is incomprehensible, none of us can know Him as well as we think we do. 
Sure, we're impressed with and sometimes envious of those who can speak about God with such knowledge and confidence as if they know God as well as the back of their hands. It's only our pride talking when we think we have a perfectly accurate view of God. We need to be humbly aware of our own limitations and sin. So we have these powerful, powerful influences working on us all the time as we go through life, which get in the way of knowing our God deeply and perceptively clear. But there's good news. See, God isn't down on us because we don't know Him perfectly. He knows this, and He knows why. He was there when sin entered into the world, and He was there when His Son came out of the tomb on Easter. He opened the minds of the disciples to the Scriptures so they would perceive Him more accurately and clearly than had ever, been, than had ever happened before that. And it happened again at Pentecost. Can't you feel Pentecost coming? It's only a few Sundays away. And let's not forget the Holy Spirit who is given to us and dwells in us to internalize the Scriptures for us. Let them work on our hearts and minds to know and understand God more deeply and what, the words, what these words in the Bible mean to us. They mean life. Forgiveness of our sin. Hope. Strength to carry on until the end. And love for Him and our fellow human beings. You know, we Lutherans shy away from confessing that we have some part to play in all this. You know, that we, 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 we never say that we have to do our part. Because there's nothing we can do to earn God's favor and our salvation. We know this. But when it comes to understanding who God is in light of these uh, distortions we've been talking about, diligent practices and spiritual disciplines go a long way in helping us. And that doesn't sound like much fun, does it? Oh, practice and discipline. Oh, you know, it sounds like a lot of work when you're already so busy and tired working your job, raising your family, doing your schoolwork, even in retirement. You know, you got so many things to do. Well, every pastor encourages people to study and to meditation of the Scriptures because God transforms us in this way through the renewal of our minds. No Christian has to stumble through this world believing things about God that aren't true and suffering spiritual damage. Wouldn't it be easier if Jesus would just open our minds to understanding the Scriptures and Him as He did with disciples on the road to Emmaus? And then here on this mountain in Galilee? Be so much easier? Well it, well, it would be easy. But He has already done this to an extent and continues to every time you hear the Word and inwardly digest it. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Jesus gives us a baptism that saves, and He also gives us His teaching, which brings life and joy and peace. This gift was given to Jews and Gentiles alike in the Great Commission we hear about from Matthew. And those who were baptized, you and me and all believers, receive the benefits that God 
that the Son of God's redeeming act on the cross and resurrection have to give. We get this life-saving, life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit today and every day. Let's remember and celebrate our baptism and confirmation in the faith, which are the Lord's precious gifts and blessings to His disciples. Amen.